God's word now and to 1 Peter chapter 2 and reading from verse 4 through to verse 12. I know I'm just going to go briefly into the passage that uh, Pete will be looking at next week but uh, I'm only giving sort of nodding acquaintance to it. But uh, we're coming to to this passage and uh, it's an exciting passage, it's a lovely good passage And God has some things to say to us through it. As I did last week, I'm going to use the message version just to read to us from. Uh, Because again, it it just says it in a different way. And it perhaps brings it alive in a different way. We can become very sort of settled in our own sort of version of the Bible, whichever one that translation of the Bible that we like. Some like the NIV, some like the SV, some like the contemporary English version. But sometimes we need to be just jolted to actually hear God's word in a, a different way. And so, again, I'm going to be reading it from the message version and that will be coming up on uh, the screen. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 12. Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honour. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life, in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives up to God. The scriptures provide precedent. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honour. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. To you who trust in him, he's a stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust in him, the stone the workman threw out is now the chief foundation stone. For the untrusting is a stone to trip over, a boulder to block the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey, just as predicted. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, Chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cosy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live as exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Thanks be to God for his word. And thanks be to God for those people who take God's word and bring it alive to us. As I've prepared this this week, and uh, I've had many different sort of uh, headings in my mind and coming to the forefront, 
and uh, on the uh, service sheet it says a new family identity. Well, that's what I, I looked at a piece back when I was setting out this series. But then I started to work around something called danger, danger work in progress. But then I settled on this title, Firm Foundation, Living Stones. I wonder what relevant metaphor, image or picture you would use today if someone asked you to describe the church. The biblical image that we would fall back on would be that of the body, wouldn't it? That's what we would look to. That's what we would focus in on. The church is the body of, of Christ. And a very meaningful one, that is. But what is an appropriate image for the 21st century? Maybe that's something you can talk about in your connect groups this week as you look at this passage or when you do come to this passage. How do you describe the church? What metaphor would you use? Peter uses an interesting one in this passage. He uses the picture of a building site. Last week I took you to the gym. This week, in a sense, I'm bringing you to the building site. Because what Peter says is, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. There's something about this picture that Peter is painting that attracts me to it. Because it's very descriptive in what it says. And in the nature and character of the church. It reminds us that the church is people, not bricks and mortar, but church can be compared to a building site. The church is a work in progress. We're not the finished article. We're not the finished structure. We're not the finished temple. That we individually and corporately are the building materials and have an important place within the structure. That we need Jesus, that he needs us, and we need each other. And the function of the church is to offer spiritual sacrifices. You could top that by simply also sort of saying that, yeah, the church gets messy, the church gets dirty, The church is not ordered because that's a building site. Imagine for a moment a building site. What are the pictures that that form in your mind if you look at a building site? Noisy activity. I've never heard a quiet building site. Have you? There? There's dumper trucks, there's lorries, there's juggernauts, there's tractors, there's concrete mixers, there's hammers, there's drills, there's constant noise. There's major disruption. Building work always causes disruption and turmoil. 
you know, we've had plenty of it, haven't we, over the years around Peterborough that I've been, certainly the years that I've been, as they've done major roadworks. And there's may, always major disruption. A building site is a place of danger. It's a place of hard hats, steel-tipped boots, and dangerous materials and situations. It's a place of planned chaos. To the untrained eye, building sites look chaotic. They're all trenches, scaffolding, and mud. But to the architect and to the builder, there's order in that chaos. Building sites are full of dust, dirt, mess, and mud. Building sites are never clean, never ordered. You get mud on your boots and dirt on your clothes. I had, you know, this thought, guess, going through that, you know, that actually church life can sometimes feel a little bit like that, isn't it? That, you know, you need to wear a hard hat and steel tip boats to cope with it and what goes on. Peter is here painting a picture of a building site. You are being built, he says. You are being built. The church is under construction. He didn't say you are built. He didn't say that you have been built. He says you are being built. It challenges our perception because we find it hard to believe that church can be likened to anything so chaotic, so messy, so dirty. Because we like to think of church as somewhere sanitised, somewhere peaceful, somewhere ordered. And we love to quote, don't we, Paul's words, that everything should be done decently and in order. Can I say that on a building site, things are done decently and in order? Because you have to do things in order on a building site to get them right. But above every church entrance, there should be the sign, danger, work in progress. Peter is not alone in using this image. Paul writing in a, in a, to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2 says this, You are members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Christ you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Again, do you notice that? He says, you two are being built. He's not saying you have been built. He's saying you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now you might say, well, what's this got to say to us today? Well, three things. First and foremost, it's all about Jesus. That's our foundation. Secondly, we need to be confident in who we are. That's about our identity. And thirdly, we need to know what we are called to. And that's our purpose. First and foremost, it's all about Jesus. 
Our reading begins by Peter referring to Jesus as the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. It then takes the metaphor a step further using words taken from Isaiah 28. Jesus is not only the living stone, he is the cornerstone, a chosen and precious cornerstone. What Peter is saying to us that in this spiritual house, Jesus is the keystone or the foundational stone that the temple is being built on. He's the one that holds the temple together. As Paul puts it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I remember way back, again, back in farming days, we took down an old, uh, old farm, farm barn and uh, we, we needed to rebuild the wall because the wall was, uh, was bulging and, and that. And we took it right down to the foundations. And one of the things that just simply amazed us that we took out this, this stone wall, but there sat at the corner was this enormous stone. And we realised that it was the cornerstone. It was the foundational stone. It was the stone by which everything else in that barn was aligned to. It was the stone that they had put down first. Ever watched a stonemason at work? The first thing that they do is to find their cornerstone. Whether it's a stone wall or whether it's a building that they're, they're putting up, they'll find their, their cornerstone. And they'll lay their cornerstone, the stone from which everything else is levelled. The stone by which everything else is attached. The stone from which the angle of the wall is set. And if that's that cornerstone, that, that foundational stone is off, then the wall will be off. And it will be wrong. Everything we do as a church needs to be tested against the cornerstone that is Jesus. Does this glorify Jesus? Does this build up his kingdom? Everything we do as an individual, every decision that we take as an individual, needs to be set against the cornerstone. Does this glorify Jesus? What I'm about to do, what I'm about to set out to do, does it glorify him? Does it build up the kingdom? So often, so often we set our goals by saying, does it, does it, does it sit with my personal preference? Does it sit with my personal wants or desires? The whole heart of this building, Peter is saying, has got to be measured against that foundation stone, against Jesus. So we need to know that, first and foremost, it's all about him. We are first and foremost gospel people. Mark began his gospel, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. That's who we are. But then we need to be confident in who we are. 
Peter in these verses tells us that we have come to Jesus, the living stone. We also become living stones. How do you fancy being likened to a stone? There, that image. You know, it, uh, it, perhaps it's nicer to be thought of as part of the vine, you know, and a nice plump grape on the vine or something. But a stone... A stone can be a bit sort of heavy, a bit rough, a bit red, ready there. But we are living stones, drawn into God's building project, built on the cornerstone that is Jesus, sharing in his identity and status. These verses are soaked in Old Testament references that Peter takes and applies to his readers, including you and me. That though the world around us might see us as irrelevant, nobodies, we are members of a new race, we are royal servants of the Supreme King, citizens of a divine net kingdom and residents of a heavenly city. That's who we are. And identity is so important, isn't it? The other week, yeah, I had a, an email come through and immediately I was suspicious you know, there's been a security breach. Would you please fill in these details? And I thought, oh, not likely. <laughs> you know where that email went? Immediately. Because what they were doing, that they were wanting to scam my identity. And then that they get my identity, then they get access. There. Identity is so important, isn't it? If somebody comes in through that door and says, is Mark here? I'm not going to respond because I'm not Mark. But if somebody comes in and says, is David here? Then yes, I might respond. And Peter is here saying, know your identity, know who you are. You're a chosen people. Verse 10 underlines this as Peter applies the language of the prophet Hosea. Hosea. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's incredible, isn't it? It brings us back to God's choice, that God has chosen you. God has chosen each and every one of us. God has chosen me. I am a chosen one. I don't know whether you think back to school days and in the school days with, when, when for, for, for me, certainly sports days, you know, when you, you were playing football or team games, you were always lined up and then two team captains and you were chosen. And you know the feeling, wasn't it? You know, when you were the last one in the line. You know. But none of us are the last ones in the line. God has chosen us. What is it that Paul says from before the creation of the world? He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Turn to someone next to you and just simply say to them, you're chosen by God. Go on. You're chosen by God. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't be embarrassed by it. You're chosen by God. And shall I tell you the one thing that suddenly struck me as you've done that is the smiles that have come on the faces. The smiles that have come on your faces. 
The sudden realisation that you're a chosen people. But it brings us to the heart of the gospel. Once we were nobodies, but now we are somebody. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Brings us to the heart of the gospel. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. That's what Peter is saying. He's chosen you. But you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Points back to the language of Exodus 19, verse 6. You will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what God said to the people of Israel. You will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. As priests, we are called to announce the good news of the salvation that he offers in Jesus Christ. So that all who repent and believe may come to Jesus and become living stones within the temple that God is building. As priests, we also speak to God about those around us who do not know or love him. Priests, it's a lovely image. Sadly, we've lived in a society where, in a sense, we have elevated the role of priests to be somebody sort of special, somebody called. What can I say to you? You're all special. You're all called and you are all priests. And there's one sense in which we hold out with one hand in one direction towards God and we hold out with the other hand in the other direction to those around us. And we act as priests. It's part of our Baptist belief, the priesthood of all believers. It's part of our foundation that, yes, there's no hierarchy, but that, yes, we are all priests of our our living God. And as a holy nation, we're called to be distinctive from the world. As we were looking a little bit last week, when that call to be holy as I am holy Holiness carries that moral implication. Last week we were looking at do not conform. Do not conform to the patterns of the world around you. What was it that Paul said? Do not conform to those patterns, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We're called to be a holy nation. We're called to be a people who are different. We're called to be a people who love We're called to be a people who give. We're called to be a people who reach out. What was it last week? It says, you know, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. We're called to declare a different way. A different way. A holy nation. But we're also God's special possession. For those of you who've been on Freedom in Christ, you'll know the significance of the words significance, acceptance and security. They're three words that are so precious. Each and every one of us is significant, we're accepted and we have security in Christ. Significance because God has called us, God has chosen us. Acceptance because we have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
and security because we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us that cannot perish or spoil but kept by God. We're God's special possession. God has promised to keep us. What's Peter say earlier on in these passages? Kept for you in heaven for that day when Jesus Christ will be revealed. Now when there's such blessings as that, I don't mind being God's special possession. I welcome it. You know, again, we hear language today, don't we? I don't want to be possessed by anybody. Nobody owns me. It's my body. It's my life. But no, we are God's special possession. And then finally, know what you are called to. Peter writes, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What's your purpose in life? Is your purpose to make money? Is your purpose to be happy? Is your purpose to be content? Is your purpose to live a long life? Is your purpose to climb the career ladder? Is your purpose to reach retirement? Or is your purpose to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light? What is the purpose of your life? Where are you putting your energy? Where are you putting your life? Because Peter is saying... This is the purpose that we have. The church's mission is to declare and to display. My mission is to declare and to display. Two ways. Yeah, verbally. To declare the praises. Praise is so important. It's extolling the virtue of our God. It's extolling the magnificence of who he is and of what he has done. Proclaiming his greatness and his majesty and the wonder of his salvation. But then also we're called to display it by the lives that we live, by the people that we are, by the attitudes that we have, by the reputation that we build. We're called to declare him. But Peter calls them spiritual sacrifices. Sacrifice means to give up, to forego, to surrender, to die. And yeah, that means, doesn't it, that we have to so often die to our own ambition. We have to die to our own Wants, our own desires, our own preference, so that he can take centre stage, so that he can be exalted and he can be lifted up. You know, the only Bible that some people will ever read 
is the Bible of your life and my life? What gospel are they reading? What gospel are they reading? Is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it the gospel according to me? Let's pray. Father, we just love this image of the building site. We thank you that you give us so many pictures, so many images of what life is like in your kingdom and what you are doing with us. And Father, we just thank you that each and every one of us is a, a living stone. Father, I just thank you that we're not dead, but we're alive. And we're alive in Christ. And you are bringing us together into that glorious temple that will display your glory, your majesty. Father, we thank you for the foundation upon which it is being built, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the identity that you have given us as being chosen, priests, royal, a holy nation. And Father, thank you for the purpose that you have given to us, to declare your praises, the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into your glorious light. Father, we come with grateful praise. Amen.